Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. Thank you for listening in to another episode of Family Business. I'm your host, Anthony Chen. Today, we have two great guests to share with us their experiences as business owners and networking. So our first guest coming up is Terry T with Small Business Consulting. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Pleasure. So kind of share us a little background story. What inspired Terry to becoming a business coach of today? Well, let's see here. Um, this is actually my fifth business. I started my very first one in my early 20s. And long about uh, 2010, after the 08 bust, I had a lot of friends who also owned businesses that were tanking. Um, and several asked me to help them not tank. So I put together a, a plan to get them kind of out of the hole and back up on solid ground. And it worked. And they went and told some other people who were also in trouble. And they rang me up. So I, I helped another batch of folks. And before I knew it, I was getting a lot of phone calls. So I accidentally became a business coach. And it's all built on just my experience of uh, a ton of years and four other businesses and just walking the, walk the, the talk, living the life and, um, you know, getting over hurdles and knowing what it takes. Um, so that's how I got here. Mm-hmm. So having been experienced as a business owner on the other side. Yes. What is kind of the biggest issues business owners face? Um, I think focus is the biggest issue because as a business owner, small business owner often means you don't really have the resources to parcel out things or delegate out everything. So you end up doing a lot of everything yourself. So when it comes to making necessary changes or taking growth steps or doing things that would grow your business, you don't have the bandwidth. So that's just a fact of life. So I'm going to say that the biggest issue that most business owners face is focus. You're in reaction mode 99% of the time, as opposed to forward thinking mode. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking with small businesses, what is it that you specifically look for? Is there an area of business that you like to focus on? Um, Well, there are several things that every single business must have in place in order to be successful. And three of those are uh, your product, your people, and your uh, processes. So those are kind of the core or three legs of the stool, as folks like to say, um, that must be strong in order for your business to be strong. So I always go to work looking at um, what you sell, how you sell it, and and who's delivering it to your client. So looking at at kind of the three legs of a stool, the three Ps uh, that you mentioned, What is the philosophy you approach uh, towards that to get the best results for your client? So uh, that ties right back into that big issue I just mentioned focus. Mm -hmm. Um, Since there is such a limited bandwidth, I love coming up with simple strategies that people can actually um, do, you know, they can actually incorporate into their week. Uh, If it's it's a, a strategy that has to, that fits in a book and goes on a shelf, it's, it's probably not going to ever get implemented. So uh, my philosophy is coming up with a series of simple strategies 
um, attacking one area at a time. We don't, we don't bite off the whole thing. We take little, you know, we take baby bites along the way and step through a, a, a set of strategies to get to, you know, whatever goal or goals that the business owner wants to hit. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you uh, share us maybe a story, whether through a client or something that you might have experienced yourself, uh, having owned your business in the past, that you learned from maybe I did bite off a little bit more than I chew, and that's what kind of helped me shape the philosophy I have today for <laughs> my clients. Question. Like, don't, don't make that's that mistake. Good question. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been everything from a solopreneur um, to having a business with partners and uh, 20 employees. So I've, that's the, the width of my experience, the breadth of my experience. Um, and, you know, honestly, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a dreamer. That's just what it is. You, you know, you have big dreams. And sometimes um, just biting off that dream and the front end can feel like way more than you can swallow. I used to say every, I still say most businesses take two years to, um, to get traction. And in those two years, at least for me, it's always felt like pushing a house up a hill. That's what it feels like, you know? And then you kind of hit to a plateau and some of that momentum that you've built up starts working for you and it's less effortful. Um, so I would say every business has that uphill climb in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just got to wait it out and, you know, persevere. Mm-hmm. So kind of look, talk about the, the uphill up mountain climbing and pushing the house up there. What, what advice would you give to uh, business owners today, especially now we're looking at uh, a new yeah. virtual business landscape because kind of what we're doing new, right now. Right. It's mm-hmm. a huge new landscape. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, long about March, April, it was a scary landscape. We were all like, what the heck? What did how are we going to survive this? You know, what are we going to do? Um, long about late summer, for me, that changed. I see the opportunities in it. I am now uh, working with clients across the nation. I-, I never did that before. I was always right here. But I've had my exposure now is so much broader. And the people who come to me for help are from everywhere and so many different walks of life. So I think that uh, my advice, literal, my advice, literally my advice to, to the people who come to me and work with me is to really um, take advantage of this new climate and this new virtual landscape. Get on every single networking you call, call you can anywhere in the United States. Meet people everywhere. Follow up with them just like you would if you were, you know, at an event or a you know trade show. Just like you would, you know, just treat it the same. And um, it is the new way of doing business, and I, I see great opportunities in it. Um, so. I would say take advantage of the virtual aspect of the new world that we're living in. Yes. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of business cultures out there. What is there it? Are. What is it that makes Terry special compared to everyone else that says, "Oh yeah, I'm a business coach as well." Right. Mm-hmm. First, I've walked the talk a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've, I've started and um, successfully created and maintained a bunch of businesses. That experience. Um, while, while it is not a, um, an MBA, it is real life experiences so that I, I kind of know what I'm talking about and I have very good solutions to problems, but that's probably not the real reason. The real reason is I'm a combination strategist, but also a cheerleader. And I don't just walk away after I tell you what to do. I stay there until we together accomplish. 
And it goes right back to that first problem of, of focus. I, I am there to remind you every week what it is you said you wanted to accomplish. Because in the, in the thick of things, um, as a business owner, you're quite likely to forget what it is you said you wanted. So I'm your big reminder. But I, help, I stay there until we get it done. And, um, and it's a very fulfilling um, thing to do and a very rewarding thing to do, to stand by a business owner and watch them grow and succeed. So, mm-hmm. so, so we'll kind of talk about your experience and focus. If we could have uh, put you in a time machine and send you back to Terry, let's say, 20 years ago, oh, wow. what would you have said to yourself? Like, what would be your biggest advice? Um, you know what? I'm still living the very same way I lived 20 years ago. I, I, um, I uh, left the South when I, after college, I never left the South. I'm from Alabama, never left the South. Mm-hmm. And I got to be in my bonnet to go somewhere, anywhere. So I got in my car and I started driving West. This is true. And I wound up at the foothills of the Colorado mountains. Like just there they were. I'm like, okay, this is gorgeous. This is where I'm going to stop. So we ended up, uh, long story short, um, getting a job at a ski resort in uh, Frisco County. Some of you may have been to Copper Mountain. Anywho, that I got a job as a photographer on Copper Mountain, which is all fine and dandy, with one exception. I'd never been on, I'd never had on a pair of skis. I'd never been on a, <laughs> I'd never skied. When they found that out about me, they told me I couldn't have the job. And I told them that they owed me a week. They had hired me and they owed me a week to make them money. If I could make them money in a week, they had to keep me. So they laughed and they hired, and they kept me for a week. So that next morning I went out to the ski resort to the Copper Mountain and I um, carried my skis, which somebody had loaned me over to the lift. It was just being turned on. The lift operator just got there. He, I didn't know how to get on. So he literally put my skis on me and sat me on the lift. I was, I was tiny at that stage of my life. And so I get up to the top of the, I get up to the top and I remember he said, it's easy. Just lean forward. You'll come right off. Yeah, I really, I rolled right off. That's okay. Okay. I got, I got up and I, um, I scooted over to the downhill portion and he said, you know, just stay under the slope. That's a green slope. You'll be fine. Somehow that didn't happen. And I wound up on a blue slope. If any of you've ever skied first time on skis, didn't know how to even put the darn things on. I'm on a blue slope. And what happens when you go to a blue slope, it's flat and then it's not, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to point those skis down. You literally have to point them down. That's a very frightening prospect, um, especially if you've never been on skis before. So I looked looked out of that mountain and I knew I had two options. In which mountain, in which I would have to go back to Alabama, a failure. My other option was to point them down and risk dying. I literally thought it might be my last day on earth. And so that was my choice. Walk down and go home a failure, point them down and take the risk and, you know, pray to not die. So I pointed them down and um, I'm still here and I've been pointing them down ever since. So for me, launching a business is pointing those skis downhill. It is just taking that leap off the flat portion of the mountain and going straight down. Um, a little bit long-winded there, sorry. That is the story. That is the story. I think almost, every person who started a business feels the very same way. It is, it's like uh, 
taking a, a jump into the abyss. You really don't know where you're going to land. You don't know if you can land on your head or your feet. You just go, you know, so and fight for all your worth. And, um, and it's really kind of walking away from that security blanket of a paycheck into, as you mentioned, just uncertainty, absolute uncertainty. Absolute uncertainty. I laugh when people ask me my claim to fame. What do I think my claim to fame is? So my claim to fame is this. I had my last W-2 when I was 23 years old. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> thank you for laughing, Scott. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story. Now, with a story like that, I, I can't imagine that I could top that with an, another bigger, more impactful question. But for our listeners, what would be something that you would like to also share with them? Something that you want, I took this as a grand lesson. And I would like, if there's only one point that I can get across, something they can yeah. learn and, and take away from, what would be that? It's real simple. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's an adventurous life. It's a great life. I left it all on the table, as they say. Um, I wouldn't take back one second, not even of the terror. I wouldn't take it back. It's been an amazing, an amazing ride. To own your own business, to direct your own life, uh, is there's just nothing better. So that's what I would say. If you have a, if you have a dream, I just say go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Eat beans for a year. It's fine. <laughs> well, then how best can someone get some kind of guidance in pointing their skis downward? How can they best reach out to you and contact you? Oh, um, easy. You can just um, email me. I'm Terry at smallbiz.consulting. Yes, dot .consulting. It's a new domain, and I'm so happy that I got the got it. So, yeah, it's very simple to remember. Terry at smallbiz dot consulting and thank you for asking thank you for sharing absolutely so our next uh, uh next guest coming up we have scott ward who is with corporate real estate advisors and since we're on a topic of leaping we have some unique stories to share so scott kind of give us a, a story of how you got into the entrepreneurship world hi guys thanks thanks for having me uh, anthony this is uh, this is awesome um, and I, I identify with so much with what Terry was just relating to, um, because my story is I was sitting in my advertising corporate office as a writer producer, looking down into the parking lot one morning, watching the owner come in late in his nice car. And I'm going, God, I can do that. I mean, look at the way the guy dresses, of course. <laughs> What's he got that I can't do? And uh, little did I know, he was probably working since, you know, 5.30 a.m. in his own home office. And then he comes, those kind of things go through your head and then they start rolling and you say, gosh, here are some assets I have. Here's some things I can do. And I, I just happened to run across a particular franchise and uh, that just hit me right. It was a thunderbolt. It, it embraced a lot of the things that I really, really cared about. And that was a hometown, locally owned business where I had moved around a lot as a kid, like 16 times in 18 years. And I really wanted a hometown. And so that appealed to me. And the name of the, the franchise was Play It Again Sports. And that appealed to me because it was all about recycling. Sports was good, but quite frankly, I could care less who was in second place in the American League West. I mean, it, to me, it was community and recycling and 
yes, sports was a great vehicle for that. And it all wrapped into that. It's a wonderful life kind of a business. And it really turned into that. And I, through that, I became a multi-store, multi-unit owner. And I mentored six employees to go on and own their own business. I was eventually elected to be the chairman of the entire country's franchise advisory council, which is sort of the liaison between the franchisees and the franchisor. It gave me a great big world perspective from a publicly traded company. And from that, I said, okay, now I want to remake my stars again because I just wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. And again, that leap of pointing my skis downhill, like Terry was saying, uh, I wasn't quite as scared as I was the first time, but uh, because you kind of get it in your blood and there's this little adrenaline pump and you're like, okay. So, uh, so corporate real estate advisors, I lean on that advisor word because I, I'm probably one of the few commercial real estate guys that has ever actually balanced a P&L and a balance sheet and run HR and done all those things, again, that Terry's talking about, where you feel like a squirrel half the time uh, because you're getting yanked from different directions. Um, so when I uh, look in, as, as a commercial real estate advisor, I, I exclusively represent businesses and firms and companies and investors looking to buy or lease property. I never represent a landlord generally, very rarely. Um, I see that as kind of a conflict of interest. But I'm one of the few that uh, commercial real estate advisors that has actually had to do that. So I bring that to the table. And that's my unique uh, perspective on that. Um, but taking the leap, it was really looking down that one day and going, man, if I'm going to grow myself, my family, my future generations, I have to do that through business ownership or more asset management of some type of not uh, relying on someone else for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. That's where that started. So now that you've kind of gone through this whole adventure and then reinventing yourself into a new field, uh, what would you say would be kind of surprising uh, in terms of, I don't want to say completely easy, but at ease uh, being a small business owner at the time? Uh, well, I tell you, not knowing what you think you should know, you know, what is it? Not knowing the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. I, and as, as a young person, I started uh, uh, my last W-2 was when I was 27 years old. But I started working for a paycheck when I was 13 and started paying some of the bills when I was 15 uh, in my household. And so everything I had ever done, I was good, good, good. I was great, great, great. And so that's why I just had this ego, like, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to be great, great, great. And so you get into it and then you start hitting some, some speed bumps and you're like, wow, this isn't so great. What do I do? And so the surprising thing to me was, was, was humbling, was realizing I needed help. Uh, anybody out there, that's when I would reach out to someone, encourage you to reach out to someone like Terry uh, I wish I had the the wisdom to understand that I needed a group of my own advisors, whether it's formal or informal. Uh, I just finished writing a book, releasing a book uh, about my archetype storyline of my experience. And it's a small, easy to read little book. But those stories, and Terry told that great story about yeah, getting to the top or getting my car and driving west. And people will remember that. Um, so my story uh, was I really wish I had had an informal group of advisors or board of directors because I did a lot of 
dumb stuff, but I thought I was doing the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. My story for that, my dad died early from, from colon cancer at age 47. And at the, on his deathbed, he asked me, you know, what, what could I have done better in my life? You know, my parents were divorced and you're sitting there and I'm saying, dad, you know, we all make the decisions based on the facts we have at the time with the, uh, the environment that we have in the time, whether it's family or economic or the information that we have at the time. So you cannot, you know, torture yourself over those things because the fact is you would make the exact same decisions because you had the exact same facts and abilities at the time. Mm-hmm. So I would have, if I could go back and find, you know, something that knock myself down another peg and, and reach out for a mentor or group of mentors, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking a little forward then, what, what do you think is the most difficult part in, or experience in your mind as a business owner? Well, the most difficult time as a business owner, whether small, large, or whether you're the CEO of Delta, mm-hmm. is cash flow. Because <laughs> you can have the most profitable business in the world, or you can be losing money. And if your cash flow is good, everything is happy. But you, the same exact situation, you can be not so profitable on paper, or you can be very profitable on paper, and not have any cash flow. And things just suck. <laughs> there's a big what did uh, there's a big sucking sound out there, <laughs> yes. and uh, it's your cash flow. And so, you know, uh, that's the pain. That is pain. You know, to go out um, with your credit cards looking for a cash advance to help pay the payroll because three days from now you've got sales taxes due, and ten days from that the rent is due. And you're looking at your short-term cash flow um, because perhaps you are a sporting goods store or perhaps you are some other type of business. Maybe you're an ice cream store or maybe you're an ice cream manufacturer. And we're going into the cold season and people don't buy as much ice cream anymore. And so that's, that's what I would say is the biggest, most difficult thing that will hit you in the just a matter of time. Delta Airlines was doing everything right. No one can predict the future, but you can definitely predict you will have a cash flow problem sometime. Mm-hmm. So through your experience, since with your emphasis on cash flow, is that something that you think in terms of lessons or be able to really keep track? That is the number one thing that you would suggest, or is there something else on top of that? Well, there's a lot of things that contribute to that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, you need to dig a little deeper um, and pay attention have a plan. Uh, and of course, plans are meant to be followed. But once you get your plan in place, then you can be aware of opportunities and you can go off your plan a little bit based on some opportunities. So whether it's a marketing plan or it's a uh, an inventory development or in, a human resources development plan, all of those things cost money. All of those things affect cash flow, but have your plan and, and work the plan. But, but um, when, you, when you get comfortable with those, my story is the old uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. 
And so in that movie, in the very, very first parts of the Caribbean, they kidnap the young woman and then they're like, what do we do with her? Well, oh, uh, there's the, we, let's kill her. Let's do this. Oh, no, no, no. The pirate code says, you know, she said parlay, you know, the word parlay. So we mm-hmm. can't do anything to her. Well, then later in the movie, there's another situation that comes along and things are going really south for them. And they're saying, oh, but the pirate code. Well, it's really kind of a code. Just forget. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a guideline. Let's just. Yeah. So it's, it brings a great laugh because it's kind of the way we all are, right? We, we have our rules and regulations and then a time comes along and it's like, yeah, it's kind of more of a guideline. We don't have to necessarily follow the rules, but but you have to know what those rules are before you can break them. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about going on plant and sometimes going off plant, kind of segueing into now what you do for other business owners and being an advisor mm-hmm. in the commercial real estate side. Um, what is something that you're able to point out in terms of consideration? Because you've been on the other side, paying the rent, paying employees, something that you highlight a lot that other business owners, when they're looking for other properties, probably aren't taking into account. So let's bring it into into present day, correct? Our COVID-19, that's on the subject of every meeting, every Zoom. Mm -hmm. How were you before? How did you handle it? Where are you going forward? Well, I gave a a two-hour presentation as part of Roswell, Inc. and SCORE, which is a business networking uh, uh, mentorship program. And then the title of it was get the right people, ask the right questions before you sign your first lease. And so that was done in February. Well, what happened 30 days later? We had COVID and all of these people, uh, big, small, uh, huge uh, real estate REITs were going into their leases going, oh my gosh, what does our lease say yeah. about force majeure or other options um, because our cash flow has stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those little paragraphs and those minute little paragraphs that some people go, oh, well, that's boilerplate, suddenly become uh, more than just boilerplate. Now, as a real estate advisor, I cannot negotiate or change your legal terms of your lease, but I can most certainly change and we can negotiate the business terms of your lease. For example, if something happens to your property, if something happens where you are not able to conduct business, uh, is it the landlord's fault? And what are those cures? What are those remedies? Uh, does the landlord, has he given himself, you know, a whole year to remedy those problems for you? Or you go back in and go, no, you've got 60 days because my, you know, and is it the, is it the landlord's fault or is it the government's fault that the government shut us down and whose remedy is that? So those are all things that you should be aware of and pay attention to. Uh, in every single part of a lease, there's different angles for that. What if the Department of Transportation comes along and you have a drive-through, but, oh, they need half of the road over there, and suddenly you're drive-through. Uh, you can't drive through anymore, and you're a dry cleaner or you're a, a Scooter's Coffee Shop, which I just had coffee there. It's a great place and uh, this morning. So those are things that you need to be aware of that are current day that are affecting uh, where as a as someone who is responsible for the cash flow and the pain of the, of the rent. I'm very much aware of because I went through downturns, you know, the 2000, the 2008 started my business in a, in a recession 
some and some some turn downturns were of my own my own causing so uh those are the kind of things that i i look out for my clients to look for and uh in current COVID 19 times leases are suddenly under the microscope a lot more than they were before you mentioned you're talking a lot about stories can you maybe share us a, a story that can potentially help people let's say uh, expand either their network their network or maybe even um, start helping them with their business and making money today oh absolutely so um to terry's point you know uh this the dynamics of how we network and how we um, produce meaningful relationships and that's how we a lot of us do business no i, I know you're a solid person you do sit you do what you say you're going to do you do it quickly you respond and even if you don't know what's going on, you respond and say, we're going to figure this out together. Those are things that we always learned through a lot of face-to-face -face meetings. We'd see each other in a big environment. We'd see each other face-to-face, -face, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, whether so we can at least get into spacing situations. Uh, so how do you uniquely connect with someone to not only start that initial relationship, how do you turn a cold call into a warm call, a, cold, a colder relationship into a warmer relationship? Do you just get out there as, as many different situations as, as you can? Again, starting with your known relationships and networking and getting referrals by asking for them. We all kind of assume that we that our friends just know we're in we're a business coach or they just know that we're a wealth manager. So my story for that real quick is uh, I know a, a gentleman who's in commercial real estate. He's been a club for 20 years. Everyone at the country club knows him. He is. Everyone knows he's having a good time within about 20 minutes. His guest had produced three new leads out of the group. Well, the group he had known for 20 years and he's like, well, he forgot to continue to, you have to beat your own drum at some point. Now there are nice subtle ways to do that. And, but, but you, you need to keep in mind, not only yourself, but also your connections needs. So, you know, I know Terry now, ha she has expertise in so many different areas. My toolbox is I'm going to run into people this afternoon who need Terry or who I've talked to a week ago and I'm like, oh, they need Anthony, you know, or, or perhaps they need the avenue of, of this great Radio X format. So I'll recommend John to them. Those are little toolbox things you have to keep them. Don't forget what you have in your toolbox. Don't let your toolbox get spider webs on it. Uh, you have to get in there and use it or use it or lose it. And he was losing it and he didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, certainly. So how best can someone uh, find you and kind of through osmosis, get some of your wisdom being on the other side as a business owner and now having some advisor helping them not make the same mistake when they're looking out for a place to lease? Sure. Several ways. Thank you. Thanks so much. So Scott B. Ward 4 at gmail.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, of course, under Scott Ward, uh, Commercial Real Estate Advisors. I have my own website, scottbward.net. Uh, and it talks about my newest book release. The book release, um, it, the format is about 100 pages, very easy. It's called 
scabs, scars, and pots of gold. True life stories of a successful franchisee. And uh, if you've ever seen, seen or read Chicken Soup for the Soul or Who Moved My Cheese, I call it Aesop's Fables for Business. Tell stories that, that end up with, with nice business lessons wrapped throughout them. And so those are ways to get in touch with me. I'd love to, to share a coffee and, um, and look for help for myself and to help you. That's how we get along in this, this crazy world. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight. And with kind of the theme uh, we have today is not just stories, but I think we can all agree that that probably the scariest. I think I can't come up with a more apt story as Terry's of point the ski downward, having never ever so kind of considering maybe they're also similar to Scott with a kind of looking outside their corporate window and going, you know what? I could do that, but there's that fear that that doubt and would be your advice or words of wisdom to say, you know what, get that doubt out, go for it. Got mute. Uh, so my words of wisdom is um, own the fear. Let it spur you on. You, you know, fear's good. Fear is like energy. You know, it, it gets you out of the bed at, at 4.30 a.m. It keeps you working until, you know, you've got the solution. So I don't think fear is a bad thing at all. I say, you know, uh, just, uh, um, you know, embrace it. And just kind of like Scott said, after you do it once, it's like anything. It's like, okay, this feels, this feels familiar. Ah, this is fear. Ah, it didn't kill me the last time. It probably won't kill me this time. So, so um, my advice is just, you know, suck it up and go. Mm -hmm. Scott? Terry, you mentioned the word terror, actually, and earlier. And I wrote down, I wrote that down. I said, terror produces energy. Yes. I have a little story, but the title of my, one of my chapters is um, The Scariest Thing in the Woods. And it's a story about when I was on the Appalachian Trail and I was in one of those, those um, huts, you know, one of the shelters at night by myself. And, and the, it was so dark. I was all by myself. When I opened my eyes, I couldn't tell my eyes were open. It was still that dark. And there were mice everywhere. And they started coming in and I could hear them all around me. And I was petrified. And my sleeping bag felt like a straitjacket. And I've said, you know, in business, you get to those points sometimes. It's like every place I go, I just can't figure out. And sometimes it's just to go ahead and embrace the terror. I'm out of here. As long as you're moving in some direction, you can adjust. You can adjust your direction, but you got to get moving. Yep. You know, um, the other kind of um, mantra or whatever that runs through my head, like all the time, like today, like every day, is one surefire way to fail is to stop showing up. Because if you stop showing up, you will fail. So if you at least keep showing up, you got a chance of succeeding. So, um, yeah, don't stop. Well, and you, earlier, you also said a lot of small business people lose focus. And that's kind of what will happen. They'll get things to a comfortable place, and then they'll sort of stop showing up until suddenly, like, oh, my God, i got to show up again because the ship's sinking. It's kind of like, <sighs> don't, lose, don't lose focus. 
So, you know, frankly, you know, frankly, oh, sorry, frankly, yes. it, it's a, it is a different mindset, different personality that it takes to launch a business versus maintain and run a business. Those are really two kinds of people. You got to be both. You know, you really have to operate out of both sides of the brain. You've got to be able to weather the terror and move forward regardless. But you also have to then develop these habits of main, of maintaining, you know, of listening to other people. You know, uh, it ain't all about you anymore. When you, when you start, it really is all about you. It's all about, it is all about you and what you can accomplish. Um, it just changes over time, you know, with your business. Well, you guys uh, have heard it from our two wonderful guests, Terry and Scott. Is one embracing the terror and keep moving, whether you're on the skis or getting out of a hut infested with mouse up in the Appalachian Mountains, whatever it is, keep moving and eventually you get to success. Thank you, Terry and Scott. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Sure. And this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA, SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. Our main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road in Melbourne, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090. My extension is 5075, or preferably by email, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen. Uh, It's last name spelled C-H-E-N at LFNLLC.com. Until next time, thank you for listening in. Bye.